Even though the famous historian from Guyana called Walter Rodney argued that there's no such thing as a developed country or an undeveloped country because assuming that there's a developed country means that whatever that country is they have stopped developing but to keep it simple today we're going to be using the colloquial terms such as developed country and undeveloped country so that you can see what i'm trying to say less than 20 percent of the world's population lives in developed countries and most of the medical device or medical technology market is targeted towards them most of the time. So we ask ourselves, what about the other 80% of the world? Surely this is a market opportunity that's still to be fulfilled. It's widely accepted that the developing nations of this world have been falling behind with little to no development at all. Other scholars following what Walter Rodney stated in his works have even claimed that these nations are underdeveloping, meaning that they have been losing whatever development they had, which is quite evident because they seem to be moving backwards in development. Not many hospitals or schools are being built to match the rising populations in these countries. So, in these conditions, how can we realistically increase medical devices to these countries in the long term in a way that these countries can realistically sustain that level of technology on their own and this question has been on my mind for a very long time and in today's episode we're going to be looking at that we're going to be looking at how can we realistically increase medical devices to developing nations in the long term Welcome to MedTech 101, a podcast where we discuss matters around medical technology and pharmaceutical drugs in a way that almost anyone can understand. My name is Rodney Moses. I'm a biomedical engineer who has a published patent for a medical device that's going to help the lives of thousands of chemotherapy patients. I've spent my entire working career in research and development for medical technology, working on cool devices that are still yet to hit the market orthopedic implants and the classics such as asthma inhalers have worked for one of the biggest med tech companies in the world johnson and johnson among several others if you'd like to reach out on linkedin or on instagram or any of the other social media platforms please look at the description below that's where the links are and yeah so getting straight to it then but before i jump to the conclusion of what needs to be done I think it's worth taking a look at two popular ways we've all been trying to reduce this disparity that exists in medical technology across different nations. And I think it's also quite important for us to take a look at why these two ways haven't been successful in helping to reduce this disparity in the long run. Before anyone gets offended or anything i think i should take this opportunity just to say that i have nothing against these two methods and to be fair since i'm giving two methods that have failed i think it's also important for me to give two methods that i think would actually work work in the sense that methods that can guarantee a higher percentage of medical devices getting to developing nations in a way that people can sustain it by themselves without depending on the other two methods that i'm going to be talking about first so number one charity 
I think it's time we take a real look at the nature in which charity has been conducted in developing nations of the world over the last number of decades, especially for healthcare and medical technology. For as long as most people can remember, there has been some form of charity advertisement on TV about sending money to developing nations to help out people in difficult times. So this has seen several charity organizations being formed and jumping in to help, which is something that's really good and I've got nothing against that. However, the lack in coordination between these charities aiming to tackle the same problem has diluted their overall effort to decrease that issue they're trying to fight. There's a lot that we have to do before we even think of giving money away in the first place. And one of the most important thing is to actually just check the overall administrative and overhead costs that these charities have. Because after all these expenses that these charities have, you'll actually be surprised to see how much money actually ends up with the intended people it's meant for. Hence, it's fair to say that some charities are merely scams and they are taking most of the money and very little is getting to people. So if we are to give money to charity in the first place, we need to look at their transparency and accountability. We need to just check, do the research, because we live in a world where there's a lot of virtual signaling, people on social media pushing charity links without prior research of what the organization's accountability or transparency looks like. As the saying goes, the road to hell is filled with good intentions and there's in recent times there's been nothing that has made me upset than to read articles about the black lives matter organization nearly going bankrupt with misuse of funds but i remember three years ago when the black lives matter protests were happening it was quite a big thing and uh, everyone posted black squares everyone was raising money for blm but only for that money to be misused. However, in terms of achieving the long-term desired goals of increasing the availability of medical devices in all nations globally for the long term, and I emphasize for the long term, charity organizations have to shift their focus from short-term to long-term strategies. Because as things stand, People have developed what psychologists like to call land helplessness, which is a phenomenon where someone can have the capacity to do something, but because they've learned to be sort of helpless, they just don't do anything to change their situation. And unfortunately, the same thing has happened in some of these developing nations. We need people to learn how to try to resolve the issues by themselves first before giving up entirely. Point number two, movement of capital. Sometimes we argue that the best way to help someone is to teach them how to fish instead of giving them fish all the time. However, Walter Rodney and Henri Lefebvre argued a very vital point in terms of how we can help nations. And this is regarding the over-utilization and under-utilization of resources. Lefebvre's idea of the production of space is that 
humans not only produce social relations and use values but in doing so they also produce social space we all know that matter occupies a space and when it's taken from one place to another it leaves a vacuum meaning that in the process of trying to help nations we are disempowering them to fish on their own we are removing the ability for them to be able to help themselves because as there has been no effective way to stop the loss of human capital through excessive brain drains that are happening in these developing nations the loss of national fixed capital assets that are being allowed to corrode or erode as i would like to say this has hampered the capacity for them to deliver productivity and innovation on their own and there's no stopping this without resorting to some tyrannical sorts of methods because people are always going to move and we have to help create a situation where we create an environment where people are happy to stay there and some of this has been quite systemically designed to keep the lives of the people in the developed nations comfortable as i like to joke with a lot of my mates as to how many people will be willing to pay 20 pounds for a banana so that the worker in his country of origin can also live the same standard of life and i guarantee you not a lot of people want to do that <laughs> so we can't really blame anyone nor can we take a victimized position because self-preservation is a very natural instinct to all of us and country governments ought to aim to do what's best for their own citizens to keep the highly skilled ones however in the history of places like africa my home continent we've had a history of over 500 years where we have lost some of the very best skilled people or physically capable people during the slave trade and after the slave trade came the colonial era where even more resources, mineral resources were lost. And past the colonial era where we saw in post-independence Africa, which has also seen a loss of human capital through mass migration to the West. So in its entire history, Africa has been losing skewed people in search of better life because everyone wants a better life but then how can we then say to ourselves how can we realistically stop this from happening without infringing on human rights so looking at what Lafevre argued in terms of space i would like to give you an example if you're in a house right now this house occupies a space or whichever place you're in occupies a space but if we had to bend down this house, what's left? There's ashes left in that space. But these ashes occupied the same space the house occupied. But there's no way we can say that the ashes have the same value as the house did. So in a similar instance to this, we're basically saying that the loss of skilled labor is leaving behind a vacuum. And as much as we preach meritocracy and which is one thing which i always preach is that if someone can better use their skill elsewhere they ought to do that but it leaves a vacuum there so we need to look at ways where we can solve this issue therefore as promised i think it's now time we take a look at 
two ways that I personally think will be useful in helping developing nations have medical devices in the long term in a way that they can realistically sustain it by themselves. Number one, improvement through extensive R&D. And what I mean by this is I personally like looking at other technological revolutions that have occurred in recent history in other industries or other sectors of technology. And there's no better example to give than the telecommunications industry because before, well, before I was born and most people my age were born, there was a lot of landlines people had to wait you know in a queue to receive a phone call or to make a phone call and this required a lot of infrastructure to be in place a lot of lines had to be dug in and everything but what really changed when the cell phone came the cell phone basically allowed market penetration of this technology to even go further because Cell phones now no longer needed the infrastructure that the landlines needed. So it meant that people could have it in more remote locations. And this increased this technology to Africa. And a similar technological revolution needs to happen in MedTech. And personally, I thought to myself, the best way I can realistically increase medical devices to other people globally is by me choosing a career in research and development in this industry because the more we push the boundaries of this technology the more it's likely to reach people because it becomes more viable it becomes cheaper to develop so even in the worst case scenario where we have expensive medications or expensive medical devices such as the mri scans that i spoke about which can easily cost over a million dollars in the previous episode, we can still have a product that's market viable in those nations. So they don't necessarily have to have the most expensive one on the market, but at least they will have something that works because we've pushed the technology to its boundaries to a point where, well, I don't even know if there's a technological boundary because I feel that technology can always be developed but we have pushed it to a way that almost everyone can have access to it because for me the life-changing moment or one thing that really opened my eyes to several things was when I was growing up uh, in Zimbabwe in South Africa I saw how people used to have to go to the clinic just to get their blood pressure checked you know which I thought was quite a basic um, body measurement that could be taken in the comforts of, of people's homes. So, and this was really highlighted to me when I was quite fortunate enough to go to Japan for three weeks and I just saw people having technology at home which was being taken for granted. Uh, well, it wasn't being taken for granted, but it was not as appreciated as I saw the opportunity that this could have back home. So, I just decided to, okay, the best way I can help is to develop this technology a lot further. And that's what I've been doing ever since then. And the second point that could realistically help create this gap to reduce it in the long term is by the creation of generic medical devices. Because 
generic medical devices don't exist. I know for pharmaceutical industry, it's possible to get a pill that's a generic product, which basically means it's basically identical in terms of the chemical formulation and its pharmaceutical properties, but it just does not have a brand. However, this does not exist for medical devices because every medical device has to go through some sort of testing. And we already discussed about the steps that it takes for a medical device to get to market. However, for certain continents like Africa, where there isn't a continental notified body that exists in Europe or the US, I personally see this as a blessing in disguise because this means that instead of creating a lot of paperwork and stuff, if it was possible, companies could create medical devices that have an equivalent performance in terms of how they perform, treat patients and everything with cheaper materials. Because one of the contributing factors to the expense of medical devices in terms of production is the materials being used. Potentially, there could be cheaper materials that could be created. We could use slightly cheaper technology that could help lessen the price of these medical devices and by doing this i'm 100% certain that we will be able to reach a deeper market space and and especially for class 1 and class 2 medical devices because i personally believe that for class 1 and class 2 the risk is not as high um enough for us to try to create a generic medical product for this or a medical device product for this However, for class 3 products, which are higher risk, maybe we can really look at the scenario. But at least we know that people can have access to the basic medical devices available to them in those spaces. So to conclude this point, for class 1 and class 2 medical devices, there should be a creation of generic medical devices to address people with products that are much much cheaper so these are the two ways that i came up with as to how we can help increase medical devices in these developing nations therefore just a quick recap of what we spoke about today we basically spoke about how 20 percent of people living in developed nations have the eyes of the medical device market but then we also asked ourselves don't the other 80% also deserve to have a market for them as well as could this be the next market space for medical device products and we then looked at two factors that have been tried and they have not been so successful in terms of helping developing nations in the long term. And one of these was charity. Even though I nothing against charity myself, uh, this podcast episode was actually delayed because I was kind of injured on my knee playing a charity football match 10, 10 days ago. Oh, not 10 weeks here, yeah, 10 days ago. So I have nothing against charity, but we then have to ask ourselves in, in the process of giving charity, uh, what are we doing to increase the long-term goals of helping those people become more independent 
for themselves and uh, we looked also at what we call the movement of capital there is no way we can stop immigration because i think people have the human right to be able to move freely and this was one of the things that really upset people during the pandemic and lockdown because their human rights to move freely was restricted or taken away from them so we can we can never stop people moving from one country to another so but in the process it's it's also good because we think we're helping people but in a way we're not really helping people because we then looked at the theory of space as to how the ashes of a house will never be equivalent to the house in terms of the value they provide for us so this gap that is created when people move and how we can never really stop that so and then after this we looked at two ways that can realistically increase medical device technology to these nations to developing countries and it's not just medical device technology that i think could be increased to this country but i also think that any form of technology can be increased by these two methods and these two methods were number one improvement through extensive r&d as to how we need to push medical devices or we just need to push the technology to be so advanced that it doesn't matter whether you leave the country or not people in those countries will still be able to get it because the market is full of medical devices that are really developed and for this we gave the example of how the telecommunications industry changed how we went from landlines to cell phones and this move increased the market penetration of this technology to the point that everyone now has a cell phone which wasn't the case 40 years ago so in addition to this we then looked at ways we could potentially take on generic medical devices since they don't exist but if we could allow generic medical devices to exist this potentially could reduce the the gap the disparity that exists between access to medical device technology so um we looked at especially doing this for class 1 and class 2 medical devices in terms of like this medical devices are not as high risk as class 3 medical devices and in terms of the classification of medical devices we spoke about this in previous episodes so this is basically just a quick summary of everything we did today but thank you very much for listening and i hope you have a great day